Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Thanks once again for stopping by the Exit Your Roundtable. Uh, Exit Your Way Roundtable. Here we go. I'll get it out of my mouth. Uh, today with me, I've got Lisa Ryan. Lisa, thanks for stopping by today. Sure. I thought I, I think we're going to be talking about all kinds of things. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Buckle yes. in, people. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. And uh, the I just gotta throw a shout out there to Pete Alexander. He's the one I believe. No, no, Debbie Peterson. Debbie Peterson. Yeah. Just us. And then I told Debbie I had, had Debbie. And it's so funny because I had Debbie on here on Tuesday. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, she was telling me about that. Yeah, I was talking to Debbie, right? And I was like, oh yeah, Debbie. And, and she said, yeah, I remember I introduced you to Lisa. Oh yeah, she's going to be on Thursday. And I said, <laughs> and I introduced Lisa to. Uh, Kurt Anderson and Kurt Anderson and her have been hitting it off and talking about stuff. And I'm like, and we were just talking about how cool it is to be able to meet people and introduce people and, and really how um, as sucky as COVID has been, it's given us this opportunity to really, you know, talk to people, meet them, meet other people through them and, and really expand our networks and, and meet some awesome people. Yeah. Well, and it kind of feels like you're there, you know, it's like you have these conversations and I was just talking about StreamYard today that the technology that we are using would have been like tens of thousands of dollars, you know, just a couple of years ago. And here we are in a broadcast studio having yeah. a fun conversation, you know, from the comfort of our own computer. So it's pretty yeah. darn cool. You know? It is. It is. And we got Ira Bowman on here. He's another StreamYard uh, experienced StreamYard guy uh, that I know very well, and thanks for stopping by, Ira. We, you are exactly right, and that's the thing I get just fired up about it because, you know, there's so many things you can do now with with StreamYard and others. And we were we were trying it today; it wasn't successful, uh, but we were streaming from Remo to LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live with our Thursday event. And we had never tried it before. I had a couple snafus with it, but. We're, we know what we need to do now. And that's even cool as well, because we can do, um, you know, from different platforms through StreamYard to a, a live feed, which oh, is, cool. is going to be something for us that we're going to try a lot uh, to see if that uh, helps us with engagement or, or if we find new people that way. So, yeah, yeah. This, this stuff is this stuff is so much fun. And, and you doing what you did before the COVID and now what you're doing is, uh, you know, the, the electronic part just helps you push it, push it out farther. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's so important to kind of stand above all the noise that's out there because there's still a lot of, shall we say, really bad zoom going on. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, when you can just have a cut, you know, handle yourself online, you know, make sure you have good background, look at the camera, you know? yeah. Yeah. but it, it has been um, a, a good year, you know, a transition like in the spring, 
all of my events basically picked themselves up and they just moved them to 2021 because nobody thought in the thousand years that this would go past like July. I know. You know, and then the fall came around and either the events like outright canceled the bigger events or a lot of them have just really gotten comfortable to using technology and to having virtual events. And like Remo, I've done a couple of those programs. It's just it's cool. And like I said, just to be able to see all the different technology that's out there and not be afraid to use it. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, so. So you work a lot with different associations. Now, they have they support a lot of of the big industry events and things like that. So what have they been doing to try to, uh, you know, stay in touch with their membership, for lack of yeah. better? Well, it's I mean, it's been tough because for a lot of associations, you think about their annual meeting is their biggest fundraiser for the year. And that's what sets them off to be able to pay all of their expenses. So even though um, this year, if they switch to virtual, they didn't have the, you know, the hotel bill and the food bill and all of that. But they also had to contend with some people that may not realize that, you know, you pay for virtual events, too, um, and that there's a cost associated with that. And then moving forward, if they go to live and hybrid, then it's two sets of technology because you need the technology that's going to be able to bring people in from the outside. But then you're still going to have hotel and food and, you know, all of that AV, you know, plus social distancing. Yeah. So I've I've seen everything from a, so you know some of the larger associations are rife with cash they're fine they have sponsors that take care of them um, some of the smaller ones you know they're trying to to add resources to do virtual events to continue to provide value to members because what happens if I'm struggling in my business and I got that association membership bill coming up I have to decide is this where I'm going to spend my money that I don't have a lot of right now? Or has my association stood by me enough that I see the value and I'm continuing. And that's why I work with my association clients to help them to, to find that value so that when their members are figuring out what they're going to keep and what they're going to get rid of, that they keep that association membership. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's a that's a heck of a challenge. You know, I I know I'm I'm not involved in the local chambers of commerce, but I, I you know, I saw that talking with friends uh, even four months ago already that the chambers were just dying because their their chamber memberships were going. The, the members were going through the same kind of thing. And and uh, and just they were trying to figure out how to change to virtual when those are everything is in person. Right, right. And I actually just had my very first in-person event on Monday for a Chamber of Commerce. And um, they had, number one, when they first reached out to me to speak there, um, and they said it was a live event, I'm like, you mean like in person? Because I was so (laughs) shocked that somebody actually wanted me to speak live. But they they were going with two different facilities, and one of the facilities said, no, we're not doing live events. So they went with the restaurant that could, that did. Um, They had 22 people sign up, but only 12 people showed up. And most of them, for the most part, they were pretty good. I think the thing that I was the most afraid of is what happens when somebody reaches out and wants to shake my hand. Because we're so 
prone to that. And of course, at a chamber, that's the first thing they want to do yeah, is yeah, shake yeah. that hand and slip that business card in there. Yeah. And, um, you know, when a couple people reached out and wanted to shake my hand, I'm, I'm just like, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you the fit, the, the uh, almost fist bump. Yeah. Um, but I've said, I, I'm just not shaking hands right now, which is killing me because I'm an extrovert and a hugger, yeah. but it, it's like right now you just don't know. My, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law both had COVID and I saw him in the hospital for four days and he got a blood clot. So, um, it's a whole Russian roulette thing and sorry people, I'm just not taking chances, but I'll tell you what, it, it was fun to be around people. It was really fun to be oh, have yeah. that kind of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, what is it now? 18 days out of COVID uh, or what, since I was exposed, you know, mm. so it didn't hit me that hard. We, my wife and I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but um, it's something to fool with. It really right. I mean, I mean, our, our cases were decidedly mild, but still there were four or five days in there when I felt like heck. Right. And, and I don't get sick and my wife is not sick very often either. And it, it, it's nothing to fool with. That's for sure. Yeah. So your, your, your precaution of being careful is, I mean, it's, it's normal. It's yeah. normal. It's good. Yeah. I think it's, it's a healthy dose of caution is, is fine around that this time. And, and it also helps us to, to appreciate, as you said, when you can get together with people even more. Right, exactly. Well, and even things like going out to eat, oh. which, you know, before my husband and I would just be like, eh, I don't feel like cooking, let's go out to eat. But now going out to a restaurant is an event. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like, ooh, where are we going to go? Yeah. You know? yeah. And we want to have a good experience with it, too. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's even for for restaurants it's even more important to put on your very best party hats when customers come in there because it, it's not the way it was before and you have one bad experience with that restaurant you know in times when when the choices are so when your personal choices are so limiting to begin with you yeah. ain't going back there yeah yeah that's for sure that's for sure well Cool stuff. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. You've been speaking to groups for quite a while now. And what what really started you? Uh, I mean, you got the the a, a BA and MBA and stuff like that. And and uh, but what really started you getting into speaking and what what just really said, OK, I, I really like uh, talking about employee retention and do that. But what really got you into speaking? It's, it's yeah. always interesting to me to, to understand more about that kind of thing. Well, you know, the interesting thing is I was working as a, um, data entry person in, um, 1987. So I was kind of like the low person on the totem pole. And, um, one of the VPs was offered the opportunity to go to a Dale Carnegie class and uh -huh. he couldn't, and he didn't want to go, whatever. He backed out at the last minute. So my boss came up to me and she said, would you want to go to this Dale Carnegie class? Honest to God, I didn't even know what a Dale Carnegie class was, but I'm like, sure, I'll go. And it was that program that I just, I, I just fell in love with speaking and I wanted to do more of it. So from that, from Dale Carnegie, and then I was a graduate assistant. So I had like 23 weeks of Dale Carnegie in a row because I had missed the first week. I went back to make that first week up and they asked me to be a graduate assistant. And then from there, right. I went to Toastmasters um, and I was there for years. 
And then, it, which is a, a Toastmasters is a public speaking club, yeah. if people do yeah. not know what that is. Yeah. Um, and then I had a 25 year sales career. And as part of in uh, what I did in my sales career, I always spoke, you know, yeah. I was the um, as the corporate computer trainer when I was in the welding industry. I also would do um, like oxyacetylene safety seminars and stuff when I was in that industry. And then when I was in healthcare, I would do continuing education classes for nurses and surgical techs on exciting topics, hand hygiene, double gloving, latex allergies, occupational asthma. And then in 2010, when my very lucrative medical sales position was eliminated via group conference call with 12 <laughs> of us getting canned at the same time, oh, I said, my. yeah, I said, no company will ever do that to me again, complete with finger point. And I started my own business on that day, October 10th, 2000, or October 12th, 2010, which looking back on it, 2010, probably not the best year to start your own business, but yeah. you know, I just had my 10 year anniversary. So you know, awesome. it's, it's been quite the ride. And I, I've just always, you know, I spoke to, I spoke as part of what I did for a living. And for the last 10 years, I have made my living from speaking. And then again, with COVID, now I'm pivoting again to figure out what I can do online. So, you know, developing an online course, but more so for the last three and a half months, I've been working on this three-day virtual summit and um, learning a lot about yeah. just you know, the technology that's out there and what could be done. And I will tell you what, I put together a super cool event that I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute because it's going to be, that's going to be something for people to see. And, yeah. and you're right though, because because this, I, I, I love hearing you talk about how you've changed because you're not in front of as many groups right now in yeah. person, but you have, figured out the technology that allows you to go to a much wider audience and and give them a really good experience. And I think yeah. that what are some of the things that as you've been going through this process that have kind of surprised you about, well, this will really be something that's even maybe a little cooler than uh, not being there in person. Oh, God, so many things, because the creativity has just been a blast. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the one of the most fun events, and I wasn't even speaking at it, I was just invited to it. But in the summertime, I was invited to a cocktail mixing party. And it was a local company. And mm -hmm. they dropped off all the ingredients, including the bourbon and gin, to oh, make wow. a gin gimlet and an old fashioned. And I set up the computer in the backyard, me and my husband, it was Zoom. We had a bartender that explained the history of cocktails as we made these two drinks. And the funny thing about cocktails, here's one that you may not know, is that um, the, the cocktail itself changed dramatically with the invention of ice. Before that, drinking a cocktail was drinking like a nasty, nasty gasoline concoction, yeah. But once they discovered ice and they were able to make the drinks more flavorful and tasty, that's when you really saw the consistency of like the gin gimlet is actually one of the very first cocktails. So wow. now, you know, so that was fun. But, um, you know, having and just having those I've been on Zoom happy hours um, yeah. with my clients 
Um, I was at the, I was speaking at an event the night before they had a happy hour where they did a dueling piano um, concert where they were taking requests. So here you have these two people in New York for an event that is all over the country. And we we're tuned in and we're making, uh, you know, we're making requests. Now, um, we were singing along, but we were all muted. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was on the Remo event I was on. They actually had the participants um, have a T-shirt contest. And yeah. so everybody came and I was the judge of the T-shirt because I was their speaker the next day. So it's just, just been, you know, a pleasant surprise. And the other thing that's been super cool about it is that, you know, before when travel was involved, I could only do one event in a day in a city. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done three events. I mean, I did a lunchtime keynote. I did an afternoon training session. And then I was an MC at a fundraiser all in the same day. So yeah. we have a lot more flexibility, but we have things like, you know, making sure that the tech and the work and the lighting and all of that stuff works. Because on that one three day, the most important speaking day of my, you know, of my career during that week, um, three minutes before the end of the first program, my next door neighbor was getting cable and the cable guy and the internet guy cut my connection, like cut it. So it wasn't coming. That was a Thursday. It wasn't coming back till Tuesday. So the second one, the keynote, I actually did, uh, or the workshop I did using my hotspot, which worked out fine. But for the MC engagement, that was, you know, that was their biggest fundraiser of the year. And I wasn't taking a risk. So I gave my client enough notice. And then I drove about 30 minutes to where the producers were, you know, doing yeah. the whole event out of their house. And they just set me up an emergency station and I did it out of there. So, you know, the show must go on. You make do. Yes. But it's just it really gives you some cool flexibility that we may not have had in the past. And the other thing, too, before I forget, um, a lot of times I will I will pre-record the session, um, you know, and again, like even with my summit, they're all pre-recorded because we do not want to tempt the technology gods. Yeah. But even when the sessions are pre-recorded and then I'm on a live chat. So yeah. it's a blast to connect with the audience, you know, and let's be calling them out and say, you know, yeah. typing things to them the entire time where if I'm live on a stage, you know, it, I can't talk to people and I, I can't carry on a conversation in the middle of my program. I got stuff yeah. to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. That's been cool, too. That is, that is. And it's, it's something when we use Remo, we do that a lot. We have multiple people that are are with us uh, on stage. You know, we've got someone that's monitoring chat, someone that's moving people on and off the stage. We do a lot of interactive kind of things so that we really can make sure that we're we're including people and the things like you said, you, you can interact with the people that are at the event. And it is so much fun. I mean, we yeah. have a ball with the events now. Like you said, you can have um, the information people are learning. They're, they're able to interact with the speakers a bit more than, than they could. Uh, potentially when we're all sitting like this, watching somebody on stage. And right. um, so there are, some, there are some benefits to it. 
Well, that's yeah. that's cool too. I, I the 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 cocktail party and dueling piano thing is really cool, and and the t-shirt contest. I I think we need to try that sometime in one yeah. of our events because it would be fun to see that. Well, and I kind of be scared of some of the t-shirts that. We well, no, have. they they set parameters. You have okay. to set parameters. They were rated. Yeah. They were for the most part. I think they were rated PG. Yeah. Um, but there was they had to be clean and non-political. So, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, especially big, now, yeah, the non-political was the big one. And yeah. like I said, the one that I chose for the winner, um, I would have to say it was rated PG because it did have a swear word in it. But it, when I saw it, it just, it said, um, so it had a, a martini glass on it and it had like a dictionary definition and it said alcohol, noun, the glue that is holding us together during the poop show that 2020 is. <laughs> I was just like, when something makes me laugh out loud like that, I'm like, why would anybody even compete? Now there were there were some other ones that were just brilliant. So, and uh, one of the other ones I liked is the there was a woman and she just had an orange t-shirt on and it said laziest period costume period ever period. Oh, God. <laughs> so, that's great. Yeah, so yeah, they were cute and they made you laugh and you know, you just saw because what they did is everybody came on and they had about 30 seconds to promote their t-shirt, you know, to read it and then say something about it. So it made it a little interactive and it, it gave you some insight into the person too that you were judging. So I thought it was great. That is cool. That is cool. And that's, that is, that is one of the, uh, another one of the things, you know, that these events are doing. And like you said, being able to do more events, the, the amount of, these kind of things we can do because we're not stuck in a car in a plane or whatever trying to get right. to these places we can we can talk to way more people than we we were able to when we were trying to travel to them that's for sure yep exactly and the thing is it's just to really have fun with it i think some people are getting all weirded out about there being a camera there or you know if you go into it with the mindset that oh this is boring you know what? it's going to be boring but if you yeah. go into it with, hey, I'm just going to go and have fun and whatever happens, happens. There's a little bit, there's a little less forgiveness, you know, on uh, on the virtual platform than there is on a live stage. You know, yeah. but but for the main part, I think that people are coming to the understanding that, you know, life happens and we've become a lot more human. Yeah. You know, I, I can't believe at some point, you know, my cat may decide yeah. to come in and, you know, pay a visit. Um, yeah. during the zoom calls and that used to bother me and I'm like you know what if tinkerbell wants to be in the shot tinker is in the shot there you <laughs> go there you go i mean and that you see it with people that have their kids at home the kids are in the background or coming to want to sit on their lap you know and and it, it does it does make it more human and yep. and uh alonzo zyber a, a friend of mine that uh he talks about emotional intelligence and about bringing bringing the humanity back into business. And I do think that this has really done that. Yeah. And it, it does, it does make it nice because, you know, there are challenges that we all have because we're trying to work from home. And if, if, if we were forced to uh, be as rigid as we need to be when we're in an office, it'd be really oh, yeah. tough for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very tough. And, and, uh, not to mention the fact that 
I can't even, I'm, I'm just, I feel for the people that have small children because when you don't have childcare, right. because they can't go there and you're going to try to work and you're going to try to have them go to virtual school while you're there. If you had a first or second or third grader or something like that, that was trying to go to virtual school or you were trying to work at home and you didn't have a dedicated office where, or a place where we could get apart from me. I mean, I just think that that's a lot of stress for somebody to yeah. handle and okay. you know it just says yeah well and that's the thing of just as an employer of keeping that in mind you know i've been yeah. working out of my house since 1997 so i'm totally used to it yeah but for for people who aren't you need boundaries not only physical boundaries like i have one of our spare bedrooms is turned into my studio yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, time boundaries, don't be sending your employees emails at like three o'clock in the morning. Cause you can't sleep because particularly if they're remote, their brains are saying, Oh no, I have to be on 24 seven and they need to step away or else you're going to have a whole group of employees that are suffering from total burnout and you're not yeah. going to get the best work from them. But that's a whole nother soapbox. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's, that's funny. You said that though, because one of the things I started doing is cause I do, I do struggle with sleep. I mean, I, I, so if I wake up really, really early, I delay the delivery of my email yep. to a more reasonable time of the day. Cause, um, it is, it is, you, you can't expect people to, to be on all the time and, uh, and, and they shouldn't be. Right. But, uh, um, so we were going to talk about him keeping, keeping your best talent. This is something that you talk a lot about. So with, now you got manufacturers now and you talk with a lot of manufacturers. That's your niche. That's where you, you jam and have a good time. What are all these manufacturers doing now when they're essential businesses, they have to keep going and you're trying to recruit and retain talent and this whole kind of thing. What are some of the big challenges that they're running into? Well, I mean, it's kind of a mess right now because yeah. you have, you know, you, you have to do so many things as far as making sure that your employees are safe um, you know, with the proper PPE, but also making sure that they feel safe, meaning that you're enforcing that PPE yeah. because there's the, there's still, there's this percentage of people and you know it that still think that this whole thing is a hoax. I don't know anybody who's ever had COVID, so it can't be real type of thing. And they don't want to wear a mask. They think that masks are stupid. Masks don't work, you know, all of this kind of stuff. But if we look at it from the standpoint of respect, you know, yeah. of just respect, um, creating an environment where people feel comfortable, that people are being held accountable, because having an engaged team doesn't necessarily mean a happy, happy, joy, joy, you know, everything yeah. you do is fantastic. It's yeah. holding people accountable for a standard that has respect, that has accountability, and that keeps in mind that you don't know, you know, what that employee is deal with, dealing with. at home, maybe they have maybe parents, you know, the, um, all of these different things that, that we as employers don't know. And it's tough enough, even with unemployment at a record high right now, you're still seeing, um, we're still needing to keep our best people because you're still going to have millions of jobs in manufacturing that are going unfilled. Why? Yeah. 
because all these parents are telling their kids that they need to go to college and they need to yeah. get a white collar job yeah. where what we should be doing is saying, go to welding school for goodness yeah. sake. You can make yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. as a welder yeah. and yeah. trade and tech. But for some reason in our minds, we see those blue collar essential position as lower positions than a four-year white-collar college degree. And yeah. like when I was in the welding industry, it it really was. It was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was everything that your mother ever warned you about when it came to, yeah. you know, um, the manufacturing plants. Now, the plants that I tour, holy cow, they're clean, they're modern, they're bright. They have the technology. So everything has changed. And the thing that's different too about that is that it's it doesn't come necessarily with the stress of that of that white collar office job where you're always always on you yeah. know you do your job you make a project a product you see the results of your accomplishment what you did for the day and then you go home and you have a life so yeah. it's a fantastic way to make a really good living and we need to change that conversation 100% Hundred percent. I mean that. You know, at least I, I I'm starting to see more people that are that are talking about that. And and you know, um, it, it it is in in my experience the most successful people I know didn't didn't necessarily take the white collar route in. Yeah. And, and 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 many don't because when you look at like you said here. Um, in, in 2019, and I hadn't seen any just because it wasn't out that much this year, but electricians, plumbers, I mean, they on, on signs on the street, mm -hmm. electric, journeyman electricians, $50 an hour starting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You tell me if you can even start as a lawyer at $50 an hour in places. I don't think no. you can. I think that's $60,000, $70,000 starting wage. So, so tell me why you shouldn't go. Go to exactly. School. Yeah. Go to welding school because you can't make up thirty, forty thousand dollars. You know, maybe you can ten years down the road, but you, you, you can. You're going to go a long ways farther than that when that's a starting wage for you as an electrician. Um, two years into it, when you were right. Learning. And I, a hundred percent, I've seen so many people that have not thought about going in, getting a technical degree, and things like. Uh, industrial automation, I right, mean, or or things like that, where where they are, I mean, you're literally wearing lab coats, kind of thing, walking around, working on the instrumentation and electronics and yeah. programming and all this stuff, uh, and the robotics and things now that are required in in manufacturing. I, I was just talking to a friend uh, um, in in Tennessee this week or last week that uh, is in a company where I used to work. And they they have the uh, human assist robots now, and he was telling me about them and how how you know those things are really taking over the factories in in that people do part of the work and the robots know and work right around them. If they bump into them, they, it's really some, yeah. some incredible technology that's filtering its way into these manufacturing plants because of the labor shortage, right? And because entry to eliminate a lot of the repetitive motion injuries. Yeah. And these these things are the technology. My point is, I get around to it, is <laughs> the, the technology is, is phenomenal. And these you can go to college for four years 
and you can come out and you can get you can get a job for half the money that you would if you went into a one year or two year technical school and learned one of these other skills. Well, and you you think about it, how many tens of thousands of dollars are you in debt yes. when you come out with that four yeah. year degree versus yeah. going uh, six months or a year or whatever to a trade or technical school. And then you're coming out immediately at 20 bucks an hour or yeah. whatever it is, 30 bucks yeah. an hour, six months yeah. later, yeah. you know, and, and those debts, you are debt free, you know, in a long shot in, in three to three to five years. Yeah. You know, depending on the, the school that you go to and the trade that you go into. So it's just, and again, a lot of it comes from the parents of just having those conversations and the guidance counselors at school too. You know, yeah. there are some kids that aren't cut out for college. That's not what they do. They want to work with their hands. Yes. You know, back in back in our day, there was wood shop and metal shop and these things. But if you think back on it, you know, who were the kids that were in those classes? They were like the problem children. And I think that parents still kind of have that image versus no, these are the people we need. These are the essential workers that are going to be able to make a great living, great benefits, you know, great hours because yeah. they're going to be able to have a life. Yes. And that is, that is, and I hadn't thought about that in a while, but you're exactly right. If you are a welder in a factory and yes, you're going to go there and weld every day, <clears throat> but when the clock starts, you start work. When the clock stops, you stop work. Yep, exactly. When you, when you leave work, man, you leave work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's worth a lot. That's worth yep. a lot. That's for sure. But it is, it is interesting because how has it changed the recruiting process and stuff? Have you seen, I mean, it's got to, yeah. are people not coming to, are you hearing that people don't, they're because of the whole thing when you're talking about, I've got some, uh, maybe some people at home that are high risk people. Are they seeing that people can't come to work or afraid to come to work? And then are people not, are you not able to fill jobs more too because you can't get people maybe to move or whatever to get them? Or what are some of the things you're hearing? You know, it, again, it, it's all across the board, but the important thing is, is that um, to make that, to really focus on that employee experience, you know, to connect with that employee when you, when you offer them the job before they come in, before day one, you know, maybe you send them a video email. Hey, I'm really looking forward to you starting. Maybe you send them a welcome gift basket from yeah. stuff that you've gotten from your vendors or company swag yeah. or something. So you're building that connection because I can't tell you how many of my clients or how many of the people in my audiences too are saying, Lisa, we hire people and then they don't even show up to work yeah. Yeah. or they, they come for half a day and then they ghost us at lunch. And it's like, yeah. that's because you didn't think this. They showed up. The receptionist was like, oh, I didn't know that you were supposed to start today. Or you go have them sit for half a day in a basement filling out paperwork. Who yeah. wants to do that? You know, if you start to think about that first day experience, what is it? Because a lot of times with blue collar hourly workers, companies don't think about them. It's a sad, sad fact. Um, and it, it, if you can make that 
blue collar person's day, you know, brighter by sharing that you really care, that you expected them to be there, that you're giving them some swag, that they know you're going to take care of them. You have a lunch buddy. They get to go out to lunch for free on their first day of yeah. job with somebody who likes their job. They're going to be thinking, no employer has ever treated me like this before. You know what? Maybe I'm going to give this place a chance for once instead of ghosting them like I did the last three jobs that I took. So it, yeah. it's, and, and it's that connection also with uh, the use of social media because your employee, potential employees are going on YouTube. They're yeah. going on Instagram. They're seeing what is out there about your company and is it a bunch of corporate mumbo jumbo, you know, I don't want to say old white guys in your videos. Yeah. Or are there videos that actually look like the people who work for you that, yeah. you know, and, and they say, I see myself there. Yep. So it's yeah. completely different today. So and if people are still thinking, you know, that this is your grandfather's factory. Sorry, dude, not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that that I think people have to put out of their mind is it's not the dirty, dirty place that it no. was. Uh, and it's just not. It's not for a lot of reasons. But the this is something that comes up over and over is this employee experience. And it is across industries. It's across businesses and something that if if um, business people are not thinking about it now, it's going to cost them a ton of money and yep. I'm, <clears throat> I'm helping the company right now that they're they're doing a, a redesign of their website and and i asked so what are you doing to your employee page i haven't even thought about it yet yeah you know, it's I, the last thing they think about yeah. man and it's and it, and it was just like you said uh they had not thought about the fact that those prospective employees are going to look at your website and look at your employee page and they're going to care about what mm -hmm. you do with the employees how you support support your communities you're in and anything else that you can share with them about why it's a great place to work as you said people talking about working there right and, and don't work there yeah. And don't be going and buy, getting some clip art piece of photo that has, you know, two men, two women representing four different races. Yeah. You know, your clip art should come from your factory floor. Yeah. Go out and take pictures of people who are already working there. Interview people who are already working there. Show what a day in the life is. You know, yeah. show the real picture, because the thing is, um, the funniest response I ever got for one of my audience members was like, Lisa, if I show them what a day in the life is um, working at this plant, nobody would ever work here. I'm like, OK, well, number one, you got to change that. But yeah. number two, wouldn't it be nice to be able to show people the real story? So they know that what they're getting into and yeah. you're attracting the type of people. Maybe it takes you a little bit longer to find them. But you're actually finding people that are saying, you know what, that looks pretty cool. That looks like a challenge. I like yeah. getting dirty, whatever it is. Yeah. But you're not surprising them and then wondering why they didn't show up again after lunch. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, and not wasted wasted their time or your time. But that's, yeah, that's a great example too. It's and you're the buying them lunch the first day. That's so awesome. I mean, that's yeah. 
And what's it going to cost you? 20 bucks? Really? I mean, it's Subway. Nothing in comparison because it is. People just don't, I mean, don't even come from the interview. You've got a job offer. Oh, great. See you tomorrow. They don't even show up sometimes. um, And especially if there's someone that you really wanted to hire. I mean, uh-huh. it, it just it just makes it makes so much sense to do these kind of things. Um, yeah, that's great. So, what are some of the some of the real cutting edge things you're seeing people do that that help to keep that that best people that they want to have in those businesses? Oh man, there's so many. Um, one of my I was working with a textile manufacturer. And they actually um, brought in a dream manager that they were working with. And this was, you know, and with the people in the shop, like there was one person, uh, one guy in the shop who took that, uh, who is that financial guy? Um, Financial University, Dave Ramsey. So he took a Dave Ramsey class and he wanted to teach that. So the company paid for him to take the Dave Ramsey class. And then he was their online financial or their person who came in and taught the rest of the people in the plant, you know, those things. So they utilized their own people for trainers. There was a woman in the same plant that um, she liked baking pies. And so they helped her create a pie build making business. So like Thanksgiving and all the holidays and stuff, the employees knew where to go for it. But they gave people opportunities that weren't just work related. They gave them opportunities that looked at them as a whole person. And when people feel that level of connection that, wow, my employer must really care about me, they didn't need to be the highest paying employer in the area but their turnover was so low yeah. because their employees truly felt like they cared about them. Yeah. Um, another one of a, a fastener plant, they, the CEO went and he actually had one-on-ones at all six plants. It took him, you know, months to do this, but he had one-on-one meetings with the employees there, you know, or group meetings. I, f- I forget how he worked the statistics, but, and because he really wanted to find out what they wanted, how he could help them. And yeah. the first round, you know, he it, people didn't trust him. You know, yeah. they were like they they were kind of sharing exactly what they thought he wanted to hear. And then he actually took action on on the ideas and suggestions. And the employees are like, huh, maybe we can trust him. And the next time it got a little bit easier. And the next time. And now Manny does this on a regular basis where he goes and he talks to his people and they actually share with him their real thoughts. Yeah. Their real ideas. He's not the emperor walking around without clothes on um, because they are not telling him just what he wants to hear. They're telling him what he needs to hear. And better yet, he's listening and he's acting on their suggestions. And again, taking that turnover and, and brought it way down because people like being heard. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's one of the things that I, that I miss so much from not running manufacturing companies anymore is that being able to interact with the people that are actually, that are actually making the stuff and doing the things and, and talking with them and then getting their ideas yeah. and getting the, the engineers, the technicians, other people that are working in a department, whatever, and just say, hey, this is a great idea. Let's figure out how to use it. And, yeah. and just step them back. Yeah. And, and what... 
I'm sorry. One other cool idea that just popped into my head because you asked about new tech and it yeah. doesn't have actually low tech works even better because it takes less money and less yeah. time to do. But this was a spring manufacturer. And what they would do is they would take a part of the week. So they would just take, you know, one of the springs that they were manufacturing and make a poster of it and put it on the wall explaining where that spring went. So wow. that person on the line who thinks, oh, I'm doing all day is making springs, making springs, getting repetitive injury, you know, whatever. Um, but now he's saying, you know what? I am making a part that goes into an airplane. I'm yeah. making a part that goes here. So you're connecting with employees and letting them know that they are part of this bigger mission than yeah. just, I make springs. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Because a lot of that stuff does go into things that you, if you looked at it, you go, oh, well, whatever, you know. And yeah, um, it's not always obvious. Yep. It's not always obvious, that's for sure very cool yeah i even think back to that stuff i mean one of the companies that i was involved with we made the wheels for the one of the mars rovers we made uh wow that's cool yeah yeah it was a specialty machining company and you know the wheels are about i don't know eight inches in diameter a lot of aluminum they weigh next to nothing but they started as aluminum billet you know x-ray yeah. all that good stuff to make sure and then uh I was a, I was able when they were still producing the F-22s, we made some of the the things that held the wings on. Oh, so wow. that was, that was that's so important. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, but you know, you think about that, and you think back to those things, and and uh, even even uh, uh, it sticks out in your mind. I can see how that makes a real difference for the people working in those. Yeah, yeah those are some great ideas. Uh, and and it's just like you said, none none of this stuff that you talked about costs a ton of money. It's talking yeah. about treating people like people in and looking at the whole person and and making them feel welcome and cared for right exactly so it's a little it, it's more thought than money is is the investment is yeah. just being being willing to be creative being willing to be vulnerable being willing to ask your employees what they want which you think is a really scary thing to do, but what you'll often find out is that your employees want a lot less than you think yeah. that they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, hey, I'd like to have cold water when it's hot outside. Okay, yeah, you can do mm -hmm. that. You yeah, know, that's exactly. the kind of things that you usually come up, and you go, know, it's not like, hey, we want, you know, we want wages or strike or whatever the the other things you can say you can think that would be horrible. It's usually just the the things that we we should have been doing and probably forgot about right exactly yep and it's good stuff so well you know lisa it's so awesome to talk to you listen before we finish up though you got the um employee retention summit for manufacturers coming up so let's let's talk a little bit about that yeah it's november 9th to the 11th it's a free event I have 25 rock star manufacturing and retention experts uh, that are joining me. That's 24 programs. One of the uh, CA Lawton, which is a foundry, I have both their sales manager and their HR director. So we get to see company culture from both sides of that scale. But Very the cool. uh, you know, it's just like me and you are doing today. There's no death by PowerPoint. We're just having about a 25 to 30 minute conversation, sharing the best tips, tools, and strategies to keep your top talent from becoming someone else's. 
and uh, you can just go to, and you have to put the www in front of it or it doesn't work, but www.employeeretentionsummit.com and you can get your free ticket there. But it's, I'm so excited about it. And again, it's nice. Uh, one of the gifts of COVID is that as many hundreds of hours as I have put into the planning of this in the last three and a half months, if I was working my normal speaking schedule, I would not have the time to do this. So yeah, uh, I'm super that. excited about it. Yeah, it's just a it's just a great lineup, and uh, you know we're a week and a half out. So woohoo! Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So if if, if someone's listening, and you're in manufacturing, the Employee Retention Summit for manufacturers. Uh, go to www.employeeretentionsummit.com, sign up. Uh, and like I said, there's going to be it's 25 speakers. That's that's quite a lineup. You yeah. Put there. Yeah. And it's it's everybody from. Um, oh, man. I have Alan Bolio, who is an, a renowned economist. I have Sam Silverstein, who's known for accountability. I have uh, Jessica Young, who's a woman in her 30s who bought a manufacturing company and has completely changed the culture. Um, Ru Patel was with General Mills for 30 years as a plant manager, and he talks about their company culture. And then we have some personal development, like Maureen Zappala talking about imposter syndrome and MJ Calloway talking about, you know, resilience. So I tried to have this nice blend where it all ties back to employee retention, but we're looking at it from both that personal connection and that business connection. So it's just, like I said, I'm really excited about it. So oh, it I hope awesome. you can join us. It's, it's awesome. And we're going to definitely visit as much as we can those two days. But um, Lisa, thank you so much for stopping by. It's been awesome to talk to you and learn a little bit more about how you're helping manufacturers with their retention, keeping their top talent. And, and the Employee Retention Summit that you're going to have November 9th through the 11th. Just thanks for stopping by. It's been a great conversation, and I, I'm just so grateful to have you. Thank yeah, you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, everyone else, we are going to sign out. Have a great day. Thank you.